love my HBCU. And boy, I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man, I hope my team they won one. I hope my team they won one. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Yeah. I tune into the HCCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loud. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Talking about Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. Talking, they compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team if they want a lot. And who the ball? So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gon' teach the lesson. This is Dr. Cavill with in. This is Dr. Cavill with inside the HBC Sports Lab. But Mike Washington and Charles Bishop, as you see, Mike Washington is on assignment. We have Associate Professor Tenu Track, AD Drew in the building, and we have none other than Charles Bishop. Look at Charles. Charles is trying to get that humble look like nothing's going on, <laughs> nothing's wrong. The last five days, man, have been a whirlwind, and I've been tagging along and pledging him, as some people would say, and I know other folks say, they don't believe in hazing, so you know, in the academic sense, he was made right. We're gonna put it that way. With that being said, uh, <laughs> he traveled with me, uh, part of a doctoral student, as we got funds from Texas Southern University, a grant that I wrote for critical sports studies. We got a chance to go to CSRI, that is a college sports research institute in Columbia, South Carolina, presented some research, particularly his research topic was on uh, Coach Prime, the prime effect as we called it, way back in the day before you had early other folks speaking about it. And it's on record, it's taped, so you can go back and check that out. This for those that uh, like to verify sources since we're talking academically. And then on Monday, he got a chance to present part of TSU Research Week as a graduate student uh, he did his thing. That one, he had to run solo. So, you know, he really got the big head and showed out. So it's my time to kind of deflate him. You know, he was, he was all that. Before I ask him his thoughts and then get into some news of the day, let me do this appropriate. Welcome to episode 377 inside the HBC Sports Lab radio show and podcast and show that's covering the sporting HBC dash for all things HBC sports. For institutions large and small from the NCAA to the NIA, we share insights and information on HBC sports culture, HBC athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBC athletic programs in the business of HBC sports. Simply, we like to call it HBC sports pedagogues. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington. Charles Bishop, as I said, Mike Washington is out on assignment. So we have A.D. Drew in the building and we're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to our Case Ways 230 AM studios in Texas, uh, with the Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer Ralph Cooper in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University from Houston, Texas, home of the Final Four, HBC All-Star Game, uh, Houston Rockets uh, hosting LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, just so many opening MLB with the Astros, who are the World mm-hmm. Series champions if you would so a lot going on this weekend so you see why we're running ragged and tired <laughs> let me get back to charles 
before we get to this train too far off the rail, shout out to everybody joining us. Appreciate the lab listeners. Uh, with that being said, Charles, what did you think about everything, man? You uh, claim you know, the fame. What did you think? Oh, it's a tremendous experience uh, being at uh, CSRI. Uh, and especially, I don't know, Dr. Bill, you're you're real humble, but the, the, the listening audience needs to absolutely understand the giant that is Dr. Cavill within this uh, sports studies, sports leadership world. Uh, everybody knows, everybody knows, knows him at this, at this conference. So uh, to be able to, to tag along with one of the giants within this field of study uh, is tremendous. And to get an opportunity to, to present research, uh, Dr. Cavill's research uh, in regards to the prime effect uh, it was a tremendous experience. We got an opportunity, I think we mentioned last Thursday, to see a sneak preview of the movie uh, <clears throat> uh, Air, uh, which uh, detailed, you know, the Nikes acquiring Michael Jordan, uh, essentially, um, to be a spokesperson for Nike. Tremendous experience. Uh, but just to be <clears throat> in the in the company of all these uh, sports management uh, majors and, and doctoral students and people who are really heavy hitters within this uh uh, studying the business of sports, a tremendous opportunity. I I would cherish it definitely. Free the athletes. Hashtag free the athletes. Free the athletes. Uh, free the athletes. Charles, I'll tell you a little more about that. Who brought him in? <laughs> the, side, the dark side, as we like to call it. Free the athletes. <laughs> That's it. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Always free the athletes. <laughs> as he coined it, I like. Oh, he all in now. Haiti <laughs> Drew, I see it looks like you're a little bit in the office class now. Uh, putting in some of that work, you moved over from the adjunct side, and now you see that life is not as gracious and beautiful as you thought. Uh, you got all kinds of hours grading multiple papers. Yeah, it's tough. I see you. Uh, how you doing today? Now, the ironic thing is, Doc, uh, since I got finished with my quote unquote nine to five portion of my job after five o'clock. I realized that I was not going to make it home in time to get to my home studio to do the show. So I decided to uh, to hang out here at the office. And what did I do while I was hanging out here in the office, Doc? You just said it. Grading papers. So, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just kind of ironic that you said that as a joke. But that's what I seriously was doing 30 minutes ago, uh, my brother. And, uh, and Hey, it, it wasn't a joke. I saw it in your eyes, man. I've been at this long enough. I can see it in your eyes. I see grading paper look in thy eye. I know what it looks like. The thousand-yard stare. You see the frustration of looking at college students who just don't read the simplest of instructions when do, doing the paper and lose the smoke, the simplest points. Great content, but you didn't put a doggone title page on that. Great content. <laughs> But you didn't, you you got you put your reference. You didn't put your name on the paper. But you didn't cite it at the end of the paper. So, right, right. Anyway, and, uh, like you said, the same thing to all for doing your uh, for doing your presentations. You know, I, I used to love to present when I was in a uh, in grad school as a master student. So ultimately, I'm going to get back to that level as uh, I, I pursue a terminal degree. Uh, Hopefully, sometime soon, I get back to that presentation mode. I love to present. No doubt, no doubt. Silas Edward McMorris, Carol Keelum, Lennon Blow says, "Good evening, fellas. I'm here for class. How do you think my Norfolk State Spartans will do in football this season? I'll be interested. I think they're going to do a little <laughs> bit of a bounce back. I know a lot of people mm -hmm. are down on the Norfolk State Spartans. I like Odom's. I think Odom's 
is going to quietly push forward. So I like I look for them to see at a minimum a winning record. I think they're going to move forward. And as I said, shocks people. Good evening, everywhere. PV is in the lab. Uh, you'll hear more about that as you get into these spring practices and things of that nature. People are getting ready. As we said, Silas Edward McMorris says, good evening. Mary Allen is in here saying hello to everybody. HBCU land. Emma Price. Edwin D. Moore. Ricky Burton's in the building. G. Boom Holly is always sending us love. G. Boom Holly will be taking pictures at the uh, All-Star HBCU uh, game classic. And so that'll be interesting to see what he brings home as he always does great work. Willie Alex Hine representing the CIAA uh, in the house. Jerome G. Sutton, you know he's representing the mighty band over there uh, with FAMU land. Carol Keelum, Jazzy Faye, Charles Bishop, I see you making sure that uh, he's online getting us ready. Brother Wendell Davis says greetings. So appreciate you all checking in with us. Let me do the honors uh, with some news of the day. It happens to be a school that I am somewhat aware of, Prairie m playing SWAC bowling tournament title. Uh, they get it done in fine fashion as they defeat Alabama State 4-1 to in the best of seven. The Baker format at the 2023 SWAC bowling tournament in the bowling ITRC. Getting it done, most valuable bowler, Stephanie Vasquez, uh, gets it done. Vasquez concluded the event with highest pin Average of 227, uh, as she was key contributor for the PVAMU. Prairie View claimed game one, 181 to 179. Close one there. Game two was 211 to 185. Not as close. Before falling in game three of the match, 197 to 180. But the Panthers rebounded to claim game four, 200 to 162 as they uh, start to put it away in game five. They get it done 179 to 161. Win clinches the berth. In the upcoming 2023 NCAA Women's Bowling Tournament for the Lady Panthers, marking what will be PBAMU's third appearance in the event in the last four years as they have dominated conference play. Uh, most valuable players, as I said, Stephanie Vasquez, Prairie View Swag Bowling All-Tournament Team, consisted of Stephanie Vasquez of Prairie View, Juliana Ricone of Jackson State, Jordan Ship of Florida <coughs> A&M, Kelsey Quinney of Southern, Jada Gordon of Prairie View A&M, Delisi Reyes of Prairie A&M. Joining them in the tournament will be North Carolina A&T State, and they win the MIAC. Yes, I'll say that again, the MIAC. No, A&T has not returned to the MIAC. Their bowling stayed in the MIAC, and uh, they dominated over the last couple of years as they won the championship. North Carolina A&T State came from behind to win this year, though, in 2023. Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference MIAC Bowling Championship on Sunday afternoon. Defeating Monmouth University 4-3 at Penn Boys on the Bench. This marks the third straight title for the Aggies and their eighth overall. North Carolina A&T State earns the MEAC automatic bid to the 2023 NCAA Women's Bowling National Championship and selection show will be aired live on NCAA.com on Wednesday, April 29th at 4 p.m. So check that out uh, tomorrow. Uh, and that is 4 p.m. Eastern. So we'll keep you updated and let you know how those matchups are coming in terms of outstanding performer was Lauren uh, Thomas Wiske, North Carolina A&T. Outstanding coach was Kim Terrell Kearney of North Carolina A&T. And also Melanie Caton of North Carolina A&T uh, were part of the all-tournament team along with outstanding performer Lauren. <laughs> with that being said, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of big news there. Charles? 
Ask this quick question, and it made me curious, especially uh, looking at uh, PV and North Carolina AT win and bowling championship. But uh, just curiosity with regards to the popularity of bowling with this generation, especially when you talk about the explosion of esports and things of that nature, uh, has has bowling in any way uh, lost the stature that it once had, maybe uh, from a generation prior? think though i think it's still kind of big uh, um particularly on the women's side i think you you see it playing more uh i think it's pretty popular obviously miak has won national championships in terms of what they're doing in Maryland east and shore so i think it's pretty popular i think it's going to continue but to your point i think e-sports is going to explode it's continue to get bigger and bigger i think what's going to be interesting to see the demarcation of how fast and how big e-sports gets is if you'll ever see NCA put it in its umbrella, and but you have some esports folks that have their own association that would love to keep it separate. So that's going to be intriguing just to kind of see what that looks like. A lot of schools have esports. Many of them are involved more on the student service side versus in the athletic office. So that's going to be intriguing to see how popularity it comes. We already know the magnitude from a global perspective, but in terms of a sporting perspective of getting that glaze, I think that's going to be the indicator to see what that looks like. Great question there uh, in terms of that. Uh, any news in terms of softball updates? Uh, anything you want to get there? Uh, well, or I can well, jump in uh, here and share some of that. Actually, a couple of uh, basketball uh, notes. Uh, Southern Southern men's uh, basketball uh, looks like uh, – Tulane assistant Kevin Johnson is reportedly uh, the choice to take over the program, uh, and that's uh, per stadium's Jeff Goodman with regards to uh, Kevin Johnson. But uh, uh, Kevin Johnson spent time, of course, at Louisiana Lafayette under head coach Bob Marlin, helping the program 174 wins, including a 27-win season during the 2017-2018 season before moving uh, to Tulane prior to the 2019 season. So, We'll see what happens with uh, Southern University and their basketball coaching search. I like this. Good information. Edwin D. Moore chops in on your question. He says, yes, Charles, uh, bowling is still popular among the youth. Uh, both his kids like bowling enough until they can do it as a family, and then they want to bowl with their friends from time to time. So just like young folks as they mature, they're going to kind of shed the parents a little bit. Yeah, we good. No, not so much. Telling <laughs> you to get in your pockets. But with that being said, A.D. Drew, I know you're familiar with time and time when your kids wanted to get in your pockets, probably still trying to get in there. But that said, <laughs> <still working. laughs> exactly. It doesn't seem to ever stop. Uh, any news that you want to get out there before we take our first break? Uh, you know, you know, fam, you uh, happened to finish third in the uh, SWAC Bowl, and we struck, we struck, but we couldn't strike again as, as the eventual champion preview uh, beat us. Just had, just had to throw that in, in there. <laughs> and tell Brian, tell Brian, he don't have to worry about it. He don't have to put the shirt on there. We did better. <laughs> he already <laughs> bought it, Doc, so he, he he can wear it again. <laughs> and uh, interesting thing about right. the uh, about the BAC bowling, all three, the top three finishers. All associate members, Monmouth, uh, UAB, and of course the champion North Carolina AT State. Just so I'll throw that out there. But you asked about uh, softball. Well, Doc, look no further than the state of Florida for SWAC softball options. 
as the Swackest Tab, Florida A&M's uh, Jenna Mobley, and Bethune Cookman's Haley Gonzalez for the Swack uh, Weekly Honors. Hitter of the Week, Mobley led the Rattlers with six hits and 11 at bats to go along with four RBIs Woo! this past weekend against Alabama State with a slugging percentage of 727. That's not an airplane. It's her slugging percentage and an on-base <laughs> percentage of 583. Gonzalez, 2-0 in the circle, picking up a pair of wins against Jackson State. Sorry, sorry, Charles. Uh, she worked 16.2 innings on the week with the ERA of 3.36 with 21 Ks in the series against the Tigers. Gonzalez struck out eight batters in each of the first two games of the series, including a complete game in the open. Man, she was throwing 21 strikeouts, boy. They couldn't put a hat on the ball for nothing. That being said, big-time matchup this weekend as you have FAMU and Bethune-Cookman uh, fighting off. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. And we'll certainly keep you up to date. Big-time baseball honors. We'll get in that a little, a little uh, next segment as we get into uh, some baseball matchups and talk about what went on in the SWAC. A lot of good stuff going on. Uh, we can even get into some of the track, outdoor track and field, we can be honest. As you had the preview relays uh, this past weekend, we told you to keep your eyes on. With that, let's get into our first break. We'll be right back on the other side after this first break. We are still on. I'll tell you what, Doc, let's go right into the next segment. Yeah. Yeah. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot com. Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice, Kevers Voice dot com. Always on, all the time. This is Ryan Fulford. A.B. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBNOnline, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden & Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden & Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Nope. Nope. You want him? Ooh, I like him. 
Quicker Picker Upper. Bounty picks up messes quicker, and each sheet is two times more absorbent, so you can use less. He's an eight. He's a nine. Bounty, the Quicker Picker Upper. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Press the analytic data with your hip-hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love them, and who the ball, the ball. So listen to Professor Yesler yes, and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill inside the HBC Sports Lab. Let's get into some of these updates. Before we get into that, A.D. Drew, give us an update in terms of what the SWAC said for giving us some baseball weekly honors. Who was honored on the baseball side? We talked a little bit of softball. Let's get in hot and heavy on baseball. Let's stay with the ping of the bat. Guess what, Doc? We still are in the state of Florida. Swack has tabbed Florida A&M Janmiko Bastaro and Bethune-Cookman's Nolan Santos for Swack Weekly Baseball honors for their outstanding play this week. Bastaro contributed contributed eight runs to go along with not one, not two, not three, but four home runs, and 10 RBIs on Florida A&M series against Alabama A&M as the two ag schools battled each other this week. He had a batting average of 5.45 and an on-base percentage of 6.43 during the three-game series. Santos earned his third win of the season with a complete game effort against uh, Mississippi Valley State. While on the mound, he only allowed one earned run on four hits and 11 strikeout. So he got right in that get right game against Valley. <laughs> yeah, Valley seems to be a lot of folks to get right. They did have a close Bethune Cookman. Bethune Cookman had to, in two of those games, but they got it done uh, uh, as Bethune Cookman is really looking good. When you talk about what's going on in the East Division, let's kind of focus a little bit on the East Division. It will come back and see what you think about the West, see as it went down. In the Eastern Division, yeah, FAMU has jumped out overall 6-0. and uh, They're 12-12. and um, Three straight wins as they sweep uh, through their matchup this weekend, getting it done against Alabama A&M, which kind of surprised me a little bit in terms of how Alabama took two out of three last week to Jackson State. So that surprised me. But let me give you some updates on some of the scores so you know. First game jumped off, uh, FAMU shut out. Rattler shut out the Bulldogs 16 to 0 in that matchup. And then they came back, defeated AM 13 to 3. Now these games were in Tallahassee. Tallahassee plays well there, but I had no indication that they would dominate uh and get the bats going like they did because they closed out the series to sweep 16 8 over the Bulldogs. 
Um, and so the Bulldogs fall, obviously, in the standings to two and four. Uh, they've lost uh, three straight in terms of their series as um, they were rolling a little bit coming into it. So that's where you had in terms of that matchup. Let me give you a couple of other matchups on that Eastern Division side. We can then talk about those matchups and where we stand in week two as we're starting to see formation. That'll be intriguing to see what that looks like going forward. Uh, the other thing you got going on there, obviously, is Bethune-Cookman is at home against Valley. You saw what they were able to do in terms of get playing of the week. Uh, when they kicked things off, uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday matchups, some of these teams played two double headers uh, during the week because they were trying to get ahead of the rain that mm-hmm. Charles told me about as we were flying back in that would happen. Uh, so when you look at what Bethune-Cookman was able to do at Valley, 13-3 uh, to uh, in that first matchup in the second game, uh, much closer game, but Bethune-Cookman comes back from behind, gets it done 6-4 to four over Valley, uh, and then they close out to get the sweep, uh, even though the game was high scoring, still just four runs, the difference there, 12-8 uh, to eight in terms of that matchup when you look at going there. Then you had the one that I was looking forward to that you talked about going into this week was Alabama State at Jackson State. This game has been pretty much a huge rival the last mm-hmm. – Divisional championships, uh, tournament championships have come from the East between Jackson State and Alabama State to give you some indication there, other than that uh, COVID year when Southern came back behind and defeated Jackson State as Jackson State was going for that undefeated season. Uh, But with that being said, uh, you had the first matchup uh, where Alabama State goes on the road and gets the game 9-2 to in terms of uh, just getting it done. And then you had the real close one. Uh, where Alabama State comes from behind and wins Jack State 9-7 to seven in terms of that. And then the final game of the series that gave the Hornets the sweep was 6-3 to three over Jackson State. So what are you looking like in the Eastern Division? And FAMU, as I said, jumps out there 6-0. Oh. Bethune-Cookman is one game behind at 5-1. and one. Alabama State uh, is in third position, 4-2. Alabama A&M. Uh, two and four, and then Jackson State at one and five, and Mississippi Valley State at the bottom at 0 and six. Uh, Mississippi schools in the Eastern Division are struggling right now, and the Florida schools are riding high. We'll see what that means with the Alabama schools in the middle. Uh, let me go to you first, Charles. What are your thoughts in terms of what took place this baseball weekend? You can look at a couple of games that stood out to you or in terms of the conference standings. Yeah, I think the shocker, uh, of course, this weekend uh, is Alabama State three-game sweep against Jackson State in Jackson, uh, where Alabama State's bats were tremendously high. Uh, Jackson State's pitching went south. But you take a look at uh, back-to-back weekends now. They dropped two <laughs> or three to Alabama A&M last weekend, and then uh, they drop a three-game set to Alabama State. I think they're more than happy for the Alabama schools to not come to Jackson for a second or two. Uh, and you, the question that you look at, you know, right now, you know, with Florida a and Bethune, Cookman, and Alabama State up at the top of the standards, does it become a boat race now for, for uh, teams like uh, Jackson State and Alabama a and Because those teams are just not going to back up, you know. So it, it, it is a it is a 10-yard fight from here on out for Jackson State's baseball program in, try, in terms of uh, trying to make some headway within this swag heat. Charles, not so fast. I know these teams are perennial, so maybe you have a point there but Alabama State I see them find a way getting the hunt I know last year Prairie kind of jumped out their first half of the season and then uh Southern uh came back and pulled them in 
Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see, can um, will this stay? Obviously, remember, this is just the first half, week two, the long baseball season. you got the return trips, uh, if you would, whether that is now hosting when you're on the road or if you go on the road hosting. So fascinating when you say that you, you're kind of concerned. It looks like some of this is getting away. I'm like, not so fast. I certainly understand. Let me go to you, Drew, in regards to what are your thoughts in terms of going on in the East Division? You're on mute there. My fault. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know. You got Alabama State sitting in third place, and you got the two teams ahead of them going to be battling each other this week. So we're going to see one or two things happen this week. Either those teams are going to beat up on each other, somebody takes two out of three, which is going to allow Alabama State to get back into the race and if it's not FAMU, they can't jump FAMU, but they could possibly tie FAMU. And if that's Bethune, they could jump Bethune and go. Oh, by the way, Doc, Florida A&M, number one in the BCSN ranking. Bethune-Cookman, number two in the BCSN ranking. Alabama State, <laughs> number three in the BCSN ranking. Uh, also, take a it look. It says something about that Eastern Division. Wow. It, it, it says something about the Eastern Division. It, it, I know we haven't got there yet, but I'm just forward think, looking at the uh, schedule for next weekend. It's almost rivalry weekend in the SWAC as everybody would play their quote-unquote travel partner of their rival, except for some reason Grambling is playing UAPB and, you know, Southern Alcorn is, is, a, is a rival, but it's not Grambling Southern. So, you know, don't, don't, everybody else is playing a rival. Fam plays Bethune, Prairie View, Texas Southern, uh, Alabama State, Alabama A&M, Jackson State, and Valley. So, you know, it's almost rivalry weekend in the uh, in the SWAC. So uh, hopefully Jackson yeah, State. Yeah, I would go ahead and call Valley. I like it. Double rivalry weekend. Uh, as you said, Prairie View come over to Texas Southern. I'll be fascinated to catch some of these games in between everything else that's going on in Houston. I, I did not say that. The Dallas American game, the HBCU All-Star game, the Final Four. Yeah, and, Houston's a spot. Yeah. Houston's a spot. Houston is a spot this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Period. But, uh, as you bring up the rivalry weekend, I thought it was interesting because Grambling and Southern actually started things off in week one, oddly enough, um, yeah. how that schedule went off to your point in regards to what goes on there. So I'm, I'm fascinated about some of that in terms of how that's moving forward and what that looks like. Um, let's get back on the other side. We'll take our next break and we'll come back and we'll turn it to the Western Division and, and see what your thoughts in terms of the Western Division. Uh, so we'll stick with us. We'll be right back after the second break. Come back on the other side and talk about the SWAC Western Division. In Texas and I have a good red meat blend. Texas Cowboy Dust is designed for steak and other red meats. It's out to be my most popular spice blend, made with onions, peppers, ground mushrooms, pink salt, and other spices. Texas Cowboy Dust also goes great with chicken, pork, vegetables, and has a restaurant quality sheen to gravies and sauces. <laughs> It's like a loot machine. Going around town, trying to get down. Vanilla smoked sea salt seasoning is for seafood. The tarragon and fennel bring out the natural sweetness in seafood. I also use it in rice dishes, on yams, asparagus, blueberry pancakes, and believe it or not, chocolate chip cookies. 
Vanilla smoked sea salt adds a salty and savory component to sweet dishes that create a symphony for the tongue. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. That's www.slowburnwaco.com. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want to allow them, and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yesa and pay attention because he gonna teach a lesson. But inside HBC Sports Lab uh, with A.D. Drew and Charles Bishop, we're getting into the Western Division of the conference and see what's going on here. Um, you'll see a similar type of lineup early in the season, but it may surprise some who's on the top. Maybe not if you're looking at who they're playing. We'll see if the schedule is more about who they played versus how tough they will be. They were preseason number one. We'll see if you recall who that is, but I'll let that hang out there for a minute, as we like to call it a tease. But let's get into those Friday matchups from the Western Division. You only had two games played, even though you had three series that were uh, planned to play this weekend. Uh, one of them could not get in on Friday, so let's start who could. You had Prairie View that actually dominated Arkansas Pine Bluff on that Friday with a 13-1 score, getting the victory there. And you had Southern coming from behind in extra innings, 11-0 affair, where you actually had Southern scoring seven runs to tie the game to take it into extra innings. Tough matchup, tough matchup there uh, as they get it done, as uh, Southern Texas Southern was able to get on the board, but Texas Southern end up scoring two and holding on as Texas Southern loses. Uh, Southern getting it done 11-9 in their Friday matchup. Uh, on Saturday, you had a couple of double headers as folks were trying to either get behind the rain that was coming across in a lot of ways going east to west. So as you said, they couldn't get it in in Grambling, so they played two on Saturday, free baseball for some. Uh, and Prairie View also played two games. So let me give you the outcome of what took place there. Uh, Prairie View continues to win, but th this one was close in the early matchup as they hold on to win over the Golden Lions, 6-5. to five. Uh, And then you had the first matchup with uh, Grambling as they dominated Alcorn uh, State. A couple of home runs, big bats came out. 20-3 to three was the score. Grambling is pushing through. Uh, then you had that proverbial close one, uh, but Alcorn State could not get over the hill, if you would, as Grambling wins at 7-6. Prairie wins a much closer game. Uh, as they get it done and ultimately sweep Pine Bluff 5-2, to two, which means they're 6-0 on the season. Hey, who would have thought that? Uh, as Texas Southern bounces back 11-3 on Saturday, which means they have a rubber matchup in terms of Sunday. Let's see what gets it done for those that still had the Sunday matchups. Grambling gets the sweep, brings out the broom on the Braves, 14-6. Southern gets the rubber matchup as they get it done and get come on road and get a huge victory after falling one to two on the road to Grambling in week one. They bounce back on the road uh, as they are now two and one in terms of getting it done in that matchup. 
So Southern is one of those teams that I told you, Charles, that came from behind last week, and they have that early schedule, tough schedule, if you would, being on the road. But let me give you an update of what it looks like in terms of the Western Division. Um, you have Alcorn State at 0-6 sitting at the bottom, sixth slot, if you would, Arkansas Pambla down there as well in the fifth slot at 1-5. and Southern right dead in the middle at 3-3, three and three, along with Texas Southern that is also 3-3 three and three on the season in terms of conference race. Grambling uh, is 5-1. Prairie View gets out there ahead of themselves in their skis at 6-0. I'm going to go to you first, A.D. Drew. And then, Charles, I want to say if you pick the same thing in the West as you thought in the East, I don't think so, but we'll see. But that being said, A.D. Drew, what do you think about the Western Division, some of those games? And obviously the divisional uh, race. And, and Doctor Kavir, I hope you don't shut my mic off for this comment that I am going to make. Because <laughs> I am going to watch talk. It, about, watch it. I'm going to talk about both of your institutions. Which one is more fool's gold? Preview. Mm. It's an old conference record. Those six wins. Alcorn UAPB. Supposed to win those. Or right. Texas Southern with its 17 to overall victories. And 10 of those have been against non-Division One opponents. Which one right. is going to be more fool's gold? Well, Doc, we'll get to ask a part of that this weekend as they face each other <laughs> in the game series. So that's, that's why I put that question out there, Doc. I love the question because it's the same one I had. And so I'm going to go to Charles and put him on the spot. How would you answer that, Charles, before you give me your thoughts on these weekend games? How would you answer? Who's more fool's gold? Uh, I think who's more fool's gold right now for me, it looks like Texas Southern being more fool's gold. Uh, and I say that from this uh, respect, uh, Saturday's game, uh, they had Southern on the ropes uh, going into the uh, ninth inning, eight to two. And they gave up seven runs in the top of the ninth inning. Uh, you know, a little bit of a heated uh, affair. Had some a uh, couple of bench clearing incidents uh, in that Saturday game, but but Southern was able to take two or three against uh, Texas Southern this weekend. And really, what surprised me most about uh, that game in particular, uh, the way Texas Southern kind of kicked the ball around, it really concerned me. I believe they had five errors in that Saturday game. So uh, that's things that you just keep in the back of your of your head with regards to. Uh, this terminology that we use, fool's goal, in regards to Texas Southern baseball this season. But we get uh, a really good uh, metric this weekend in terms of taking a look at uh, Texas Southern Prairie View. And, and Doc, before I go any further, we, we talked a little bit about the weather this weekend. And I wanted to send a uh, shout out some prayers uh, to the good people of Rolling Fork, Mississippi. Uh, that, that storm system that came through this weekend uh, really wiped out uh, a lot of destruction in Rolling Fork. Uh, you had uh, multiple deaths there. So, Prayers go uh, to those people in the Delta region of Mississippi, which is, of course, within the footprint of Mississippi Valley State. And while we're at it, uh, let's not forget about those uh, who were victims of the school shooting in uh, Nashville yesterday. We're going to send prayers and shout outs. So let's, let's, uh, let's all include them as it, it makes no sense that you send your child, grandchild, niece, nephew, whatever to school and you hope that they come home. That is not where I hope that the, my child would come home from school, come home from supposed to go to school to get educated, not get, not get shot at. 
appropriately said by both of y'all, prayers to uh, the victims. Uh, one, a man-made tragedy, and the other, um, weather tragedy, but some people may say that's man-made too in terms of how we're dealing with the uh, energy um, and ozone crisis. With that being said, let's turn and get back to it. I'm going to go back to you, Charles. Mm-hmm. Give me your thoughts in terms of what took place uh, this weekend with some of these scores on the Western Division. Obviously, you got your eyes on some of the games you got to see up close in terms of with Texas Southern and Southern. Uh, you have to give some credit to, to Southern uh, as they, you know, played for championship last year, got the Western Division coming from behind. They don't lay down easy. They had a rivalry no, <laughs> game the weekend on the road. They lost two out of three. But they come back on another tough road weekend and being down and just keep yeah. fighting. Uh, and they find a way to get three. So great points you're making there. What are your thoughts on some of these matchups that took place? Some brooms came out, and then some good tough series as well. Yeah, well, uh, in, in regards, Prairie View did what they were supposed to do in terms of the first two series of, of the season that they've had. Uh, so there, I look for them to be six and zero at this point in the season. I can't say enough about the Southern baseball team. Uh, like I said, uh, slow start. But this weekend was a weekend, this past weekend was a weekend for them to put things together, and their bats came out. And that was uh, very impressive to watch them uh, fight and claw back. Uh, you know, you're down 8-2 in the ninth inning. you think the game was pretty much salted away, and uh, the way they came back with seven runs in the ninth inning, it totally changed the whole magnitude, I think, uh, of the series. And they were able to uh, take two of three from Texas Southern this weekend. So that was a big weekend for Southern uh, Southern baseball. Yeah, you're talking about coming out of the game with some confidence. You lose that game, maybe your confidence is shaking. You're asking a couple of questions. You're down one, three in the conference race real quick instead of being two and two and feeling like, all right, you know, we keep fighting. We'll be in these matchups. And they find a way to take two or three. That, that just crazy in so many different ways. Let's get in some of the key matchups, as you said. It's going to be fascinating when you talk about the rivalry games. And so I'm going to start with you, Charles. What is the biggest rivalry game that you have on your – and you can j- jump maybe two of them if you like. you got the FAMU at Bethune-Cookman, Alcorn at Southern, rivalry in terms of the between states, actually one of the closer teams to each other uh, when people think about it. Texas series with Prairie View, Texas Southern, Jackson, Mississippi as we head in Mississippi. And then, obviously, uh, Alabama State and Alabama A&M in Alabama in terms of some of those big rivalries. You even have the rivalry between Louisiana, Arkansas, Grambling, and Arkansas Pine Bluff, if you want to look at it that way. But a couple of in-state rivalries, a couple of state-to-state rivalries as well. What is on your radar in week number three for the SWAC? Uh, the big one for me, is, of course, is, is uh, Florida A&M and Bethune-Cookman. You talk about Bethune-Cookman's pitching. Uh, going up against Florida A&M's batting. Uh, Florida A&M does score on the season. They're batting 309. And, and as far as pitching, uh, as a staff, uh, Bethune-Cookman's ERA is 5.37. So uh, you take a look at the, the game within the game, you know, in terms of Bethune-Cookman's arms uh, going up against the family bats. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm big on defense, so I always like arms going into series like that. AD, Drew, same question to you. Which rivalry game or two really stands out this weekend. What do you have your eyes on as you follow a little bit of baseball coming into this week number three for the SWAT? Well, I'm going to stay away from the obvious one that Charles uh, already got. I'm going to I'm going to stay in the East, and I'm going to go off the beaten path. I'm really interested in this Jackson State Valley game. This, uh, 
this is a get right series for Jackson State, as they've gotten off to a poor start with only uh, with a one and five record in in the East. Jackson State has to sweep this series. They can't come out of here with two out of three. They have to sweep this series because you've got five teams in the East vying for four slots. On the West side, we already know which four they in, which four are going to be in. It's just a matter of what order will they be in. But in the East, mm. you're going to have a good baseball team that is going to be left out of the tournament. That's why Jackson State has to sweep this series uh, this weekend against Val. Oh, great point. I like where you're going with that one. Get right. And that's always one that I look at when I talked about the early part of the season. Is you said Prairie View. Those, those are games they're supposed to win. But if you're not careful, those are one of those games. You saw some of the close, you know, where you lose a game, you still take two out of three. Uh, but that can get to you later in the season. Team doesn't quit complaying well. You know, can now you put the pressure on Southern to sweep, obviously, all corn, which is a tough series just because they're going to get up for each other. You push it. As you saw, Grambling swept uh, Pine Bluff. So it's going to be interesting when you talk about some of those matchups. So I like the fact that uh, that is something interesting to look at, not particularly just because that Jackson State shouldn't find a way to get it done with Valley, but can they do what needs to be done and really sweep that instead of just finding a way to maybe take two out of three and Valley in the back of the head saying, hey, we'd like to maybe get us uh, uh, two of them ourselves and see if we can find a way to kind of get rolling. So. You're right. That's the intriguing one to kind of keep your eyes on in many different ways uh, what that looks like. Let's take our last break. We'll come back on the other side and talk about some of our independent programs, give you some updates on what's going on out there. Uh, some teams are playing decent baseball, other teams not so much, and we'll tell you what that looks like. Stick with us for our last break. We'll come back on the other side and give you some updates of the independent programs in the NEC as well as the Colonial. Stick with us. We'll be right back after this last break. Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. 
Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yessa and pay attention because he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike is out on assignment. So we have Professor Drew and Professor Bishop. As we can go into the independent programs and step outside of the big program with SWAT, with all these baseball, East and West, uh, we'll go into our independent programs. As you know, MEAG is no longer playing baseball as four teams go into the Northeastern Conference. We'll give you a breakdown. But let's start with North Carolina A&T as they're in the Colonial. Don't look so fast. You're actually, your Aggies are tied for fourth with William and Mary in the Colonial sitting at five and four. They lost their last game, but they did take two out of three when you look in terms of the series race. Uh, that started out, obviously, last Friday as they took on Hofstra and won their first game 9-5. to five. You get into the Saturday matchup, and they win another one on Saturday as they have Hofstra's numbers. They win that one 10-4. to four. Hofstra does bounce back in Savage. The fact that they didn't get a sweep as uh, Hostra defeats A&T 5-3 in terms of the game on Sunday. Uh, so let me go with you, Charles, in terms of what some of your thoughts in terms of the matchups there uh, of those games in North Carolina A&T as we're getting a little bit of the feedback there on the backside. We'll see if we can get that uh, out of control there uh, on the backside. If you would, Charles, uh, as we're working on that, in terms of that, if you would, Roy, uh, mute mute the backside there. We're getting the feedback in terms of your side behind us on the production side, Roy. Charles, if you would, with the Colonial and North Carolina A&T, uh, were able to take two out of three. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a great weekend for North Carolina A&T. Uh, when you take a look at uh, getting two out of three against Hofstra, they're playing great baseball. Uh, big thing. Uh, with North Carolina A&T, you take a look at statistically, uh, they have some pretty good pitching up there. So uh, pitching takes you a long way. So we'll see what North Carolina A&T is going to do the rest of the season. Yeah, I, I give them some credit coming out of their five and four. That's a good start. Um, when you get series, you got five out of four of them. Uh, so that's pretty good. Let me go to you, A.D. Drew. What in terms of Aggies on this early part of the season, uh, getting two out of three from Hart? Uh, um, and sitting up at five and four, tied for four uh, in the, the division there, it's pretty good. 
Actually, what impressed me, Doc, was they actually competed in a midweek game against the University of North Carolina, losing that game, I believe, only by a score of six to four. So that's uh, very good against uh, an ACC team uh, in, a, in a midweek game. But they take on UNC Wilmington this week. Wilmington comes in 7-2 and tied for second place in the Colonial. So this will be the litmus test for a t to see if they're going to be competitive or if they're just going to be uh, a, a mediocre team in the Colonial this upcoming weekend. Yeah, you're talking about a good way to start. It'll be interesting to see, you know, as things play out in terms of what that looks like, how much of that is kind of like maybe what some of the people are thinking about with Prairie is it's a function of maybe who they play in terms of where teams stand in the conference. Obviously, so many ways, it looks like uh, College of Charleston, similar to what they did in uh, basketball, was jumping out there. And then you have Elon is starting at 8 and 1, just to give some folks an indication uh, that. Um, a and T is three games back, just one weekend series if they can get it done. Uh, but I'm fascinating on what that looks like in terms of the matchup. Let's go a little bit to the the NEC to see what's going on in that side. Give you some updates uh, in regards to uh, those teams playing over there, namely Maryland Eastern Shore, uh, Norfolk State. To give you some of those teams in terms of what they were able to do this past weekend and see who's staying in the race and trying to find a way to get it done. In those matchups, uh, in terms of Friday, uh, you had Hoppin State uh, as uh, they were uh, taking on in, in their matchups there. You had Maryland Eastern Shore, I should say, as they lost to Sacred Heart 7-2. to uh, You had Norfolk State that's still trying to look fine away to the win, but they lost to Central Connecticut that is leading in uh, the conference over in Northeastern Conference 8-4. to you had Maryland that played two on that Friday um, and lost the close one, seven to five, in terms of what that looks like. Uh, Wagner uh, defeats Delaware State five to four, and Connecticut gets it done against Norfolk State six to zero as they shut them out. So uh, HBCU programs didn't fare very well on their Friday matchup. Some of them playing single, other ones playing doubles. Uh, in terms of that, to see if they can avoid getting well. In terms of weekend, you had Coppin is uh, they lose 14 to 7 uh, to Fairleigh Dickinson uh, in terms of what took place. And on Sunday, uh, for some of those closing matchups, uh, you still had Fairleigh Dickinson defeating Coppin State 7 to 4 in terms of the Sunday matchup, the final matchup between Maryland Eastern Shore and Sacred Heart goes to Maryland Eastern Shore so they salvage and make sure they don't get swept. Wagner gets it done against Delaware State in their first of a doubleheader of the three, uh, 14 to six. They do bounce back and win a high scoring game, 14 to 13 over Wagner as Delaware State gets it done there. Central Connecticut takes it to Norfolk State, 20 uh, to two as Coppin State uh, salvages not getting swept by Fairleigh Dickinson, winning uh, their last game of their three game series, 16 to five in terms of those matchups. So you see a couple of teams that avoided getting swept, uh, but not doing too well in terms of the conference standing. The highest seeded HBCU uh, is four and five, uh, sitting in the fifth spot, uh, Coppin State. And you have Maryland Eastern Shore sitting in near the bottom of the conference, three and six behind them. It's two and seven with Delaware State. 
And then you have Norfolk State that only played six, but they're one of five in terms of what they're getting done in the Northeastern Conference sitting at the bottom of the conference. Uh, let me stay with you, A.D. Drew. Not a lot of hope to think about there, but there's some folks that make sure they didn't get the brooms put out. But what are your thoughts on some of the HBC programs in their inaugural season over there in the Northeastern Conference, NEC, as they like to call it? It for uh, Norfolk has been feast or famine. First conference series swept. Second conference series they swept their opponent. You know the, the last one was a, was a two out of three. This week they have a non-conference matchup against Hartford, so opportunity to work some kinks out in a, in a weekend series before they come back and get back into it in the month of April, where every game in April is a, you know, every weekend series in April is a conference uh, series. So that's going to be the thing. The, the key is last year, the NEC took six teams to their tournament, but they didn't have the uh, BAC four teams in there as they now have 11 teams. So they had seven at that point last year. Obviously you don't want to have an odd amount of teams going to your tournament. So it makes sense to take six. This year, how many teams does the NEC take to its tournament? We don't know yet if they're going to remain at six or if they're going to expand it to eight. They expanded out to eight. Where Coppin is in right now, they're sitting five. They expanded out to eight. Maryland East Shore get, squeaks in at the number eight slot as, as it currently sits. So what's going to be sad, Dr. Cavill, is unfortunate for a team like Coppin State to make it to the tournament and to get a decent ranking. They're going to have to beat up on their fellow HBCUs and use those as get-right games in order to improve their position the way it's shaping up right now. Who's the strongest of the lot amongst the HBCUs up there? Say it again. Who's the strongest of the lot between the HBCUs, uh, Delaware State, uh, Norfolk State, Maryland, Eastern Shore? Coppin right now. Yeah, Coppin came out last year when the close as they – I was able to get out of the MEAC, and it looks like they continue, you know, to play yeah. some solid baseball. But they sit at four and five, which is the fifth slot in there. So, uh, as Drew said, they look to be the team, and that's why he's saying that they could be the one using the other HBCUs to kind of get right and blow to the conference to make sure they sit in that top six if they're only still taking six or position themselves to get up higher if they take top 18. Great points. I like that. Let me go to you, Charles. Uh, what are your thoughts? I saw your face there. You didn't seem very excited. You kind of seemed concerned about some of those scores I was putting out there. So uh, I'm interested to see what direction you're going. Well, I'm, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, with regards to the uh, – I was sitting there thinking about the pitching staffs of of, of, of yesteryear, if you will, with the, the MEAC teams and in Norfolk State and, and Coppin State and, and just curious as to – you know, the, the strength of those pitching staffs uh, um, as they transitioned over into these other conferences, how are they stacking up? So uh, that, those were the things that I was thinking about with regards to, you know, I, I guess I was caught in a moment of, wow, the, the MEAC baseball disbanding in these different conferences and how are they still holding up well? Yeah. Can I throw something on top of that, uh, Doc, quickly? Sure. I'm wondering if the four MEAC schools are still recruiting as if they were playing in the MEAC and maybe not recruiting as if they are playing 
in the NEC. You know, it's probably a different type of recruiting. You know, that we we had a similar situation with Florida A&M. When we came over to the SWAT, we had to, even though we were closer to a SWAT team by style of play than Bethune was, we still had to recruit to play in that conference because just based on the dynamics of the conference, it's it's a different style of of a uh, of ball. Same same thing when it comes to this baseball. You know, football. We we had to recruit so that we could have kids who could go in the northeast when it was cold. Uh, not you're in the south, so you have to have pretty much uh, speed in the uh, in the south of football. Where baseballs, same thing. You know, pitching. You get a pitcher because it's so cold up there. Bats tend to get hot later on in the season. So, like Charles said, you got to have the pitching early. Are we recruiting those those type of uh, players that that can pitch? And are we funding our teams at the level that the rest of the NEC is? I don't want to go into any further because that'll take up a whole nother show right there, Doc. No, I mean, great thing that you touched on in terms of understanding. You know, the conference style of play in regards to uh, one time in the SWAC, for example, in baseball, it was a lot of speed. Uh, when you brought in Alabama State and now you the pitching depth has been, and that could be the same thing in regards to that, on why you may recruit 13 pitchers for the MEAC in regards to believing that you can get it done. Uh, going in NAC, you might need 15 arms. Um, so you need to have two more arms and think about getting some different style bats, uh, whether – you want folks not just to be able to hit for power or somebody that can make contact different sides or even play small ball uh, in regards to when you say the style of play in a league and how do you recruit boards. So uh, I think that was a great point that you made there and something to think about as we continue to follow uh, this year and the trending and the years to come. With that being said, let's close out and get out of here. Thank you for listening inside the HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Kabil, the Dean of HBC Sports, from inside the lab and the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Again, I want to thank you for listening uh, for Dr. Bill's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop every Tuesday. Prepare for us on Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. Central. I want to thank A.D. Drew for jumping in here with us and giving us some context and some uh, framework of what we all are seeing for the baseball season, and even teasing out a little bit of softball as we give you some updates uh, as that continues to get along. Check out your Division II and NIA programs as you have more NIA programs playing baseball as well. Some of them are struggling a little bit, but look for them to pick it up as they continue to move forward. Stick with us as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's D-R-K-E-N. Y-T-A-C-A-V-I-L is D-R-K-E-N, Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Inside the HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, uh, that's Facebook and YouTube, or Inside the HBC Sports Lab. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Drew? Lecture? Dismiss. Mahalo. <laughs>